Hey everybody, Paul here. Uh, before we get started, I'd like to bring attention to an organization that needs help. As you may or may not know, I started Journey the Roadrunner with four major aspects in mind. Running, traveling, writing, and supporting charities. Well, during this holiday season, there's a local organization called Boys Town New England that needs our help. Throughout New England, youth and families are struggling with problems and crises they just can't solve on their own. And since opening in 1991, Boys Town New England has brought life-changing care to tens of thousands of children and families in Rhode Island and surrounding states. They have four family homes that serve adolescents on a campus, and they also offer foster family services, in-home family services, and community-supported services. For youth who have completed Boys Town New England out-of-home programs, reunification services are available to help make their transition back to their families smoother and to maintain and improve their treatment progress. These services and programs touch the lives of 8,000 children and families in New England each year. And right now, their wish list project is up and running, and they are short on about 40 gifts this year for the kids. Boys Town is a verified, impactful nonprofit organization, so you can be rest assured that it is a 100% responsible donation. So if you'd like to help make some kids very happy this Christmas, there are a couple of ways you can donate. You can donate online at boystown.org slash New England. It's new and then a dash and then England. Or you can mail a check to Boystown, New England, Adopt a Child, 58 Flanagan Road, Portsmouth, Rhode Island, 02871. And I'll also put the information in the show notes. Thanks so much. Now on this episode, we have returning guest, Carrie Nelson, and you can catch her on episode 82, where we talk about her experience running in her first Boston Marathon. And then last month, she just completed her first New York Marathon, making it two majors of one year. And all this while she's, her specialty is in obstacle course racing. So this is a fun and entertaining episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Journey of the Roadrunner, the podcast that takes you on an inspiring expedition through the diverse and captivating life journeys of remarkable individuals. I'm your host, Paul Stressner, who is on a journey to run a 5K in all 50 states. Coming to you with Adriana Ferns, my friend and personal trainer who's on a soul friend journey herself. We're thrilled to be your guides as we lace up and hit the road to explore the unique paths, challenges, triumphs, and wisdom that have shaped our guests into the extraordinary people they are today. Join us as we dive deep into personal stories of resilience, growth, and transformation, uncovering the secrets to success, happiness, and fulfillment. So whether you're a fellow runner in the race of life, or simply curious about the incredible stories that unfold behind every individual, get ready to embark on an unforgettable adventure on Journey of the Roadrunner. Beat me. Well, let's get the show on the road. Hey everybody, it's Paul here, and no Adriana this week, she's um, out traveling, so she might be on the next episode. But this could be exciting. We have a returning guest. Uh, you know her from doing the Boston Marathon. We recorded that episode earlier this year. So I'd like to welcome back Kerry Nelson, New yes. York Marathon finisher. <laughs> Finish. Thank God. Yeah. I can hear my dog in the background. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I couldn't hear it that much, but yeah, I don't know how it'll come out. That's okay. <laughs> Um, we're yeah. pet friendly here pet friendly she's like huts i think she was talkative the last time i was one too and like the the husky in her man she just is so vocal about everything <laughs> so cute yeah <laughs> so you this is our third major one now huh this is the third yeah we're yeah. halfway through i can't believe it so <laughs> chicago is 2019 and then i didn't think that like i would I definitely didn't think I was going to hit two majors in a year. Uh, yeah, in the same year, too. That's impressive. Yeah. yeah. So getting to do Boston was a dream. And then I just put myself into the lottery for New York because I've been rejected through the lottery like, like eight times at this point. So I was like, I have to put my name in because if I don't, I'm going to regret it. And I was like, I probably am not going to get into it. And then I can go back to my OCR season and finish off like the OCR season happy and whatever and then like I got the email in like 
what was in June, I think we got our acceptance for it. And they're like, congratulations, you're in for the New York City Marathon. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> Which is good because it's another one checked off the list. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't anticipate running three marathons in, in a year because I did Disney in January. Right. I did Boston. And then the plan was to switch back over to OCR. But then with New York, I was just like, well, I guess we're staying in marathon mode through the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, did you do any obstacle course races in between? You know, I didn't, um, yeah. I decided to take the opportunity. So I, I think we talked about it during the last, um, podcast that I actually at worlds really injured my, my forearm, mm -hmm. um, at OCRWC. And so we were rehabbing it all through the first part of this year, which ended up being great. Cause I was training for Boston. It was a chance to like strengthen the muscles. Um, and the plan was, going out of Boston and into the fall races and trying to hit on Killington and all those that I could, you know, be able to start working. I wouldn't be able to probably run age group, but I would at least be able to do open and, and all that stuff and mm -hmm. uh, get back into it. And then New York came and I was like, well, I'm not going to risk not being able to run New York. So I'm just going to keep on going with marathon training keep on going with strengthening, um, my arm so that next year I can like go full on into the OCR season. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. I did register for Boston again though. So I am going to Boston <laughs> next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll be coach. Denny took a breath of sigh of relief there when <laughs> you weren't doing the OCR. <laughs> he was like, he was like, he got to the point where with me that like, we struggled a lot in this last training cycle. Cause my, my dad's been really sick. And so that's definitely played, um, a big factor on just like my mental, like overload and mm -hmm. having to manage being a parent, uh, being a caretaker and running and preparing for a world major marathon. And so a lot of this training cycle for New York was much different than anything that I'd ever done before, where I had been out for months, you know, before training 15 to 20 mile runs every weekend and really maxing out at the, you know, like 60 yeah. to 70 mile range weeks. And this one was a lot of just like put together runs where you can, um, and kind of do what you got to do. So it was a very, it was, a, I was, really thankful I had him as a coach because he's such a go at the flow, do what you got to do. Um, and I will figure out how to get us there kind of thing. Yeah, um, and I, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think if I had a coach that was just like, this is what you need to do. You have to hit this mileage, whether, you know, you have time or not, you're going to have to figure it out. Uh, I think I would have crumbled. Like, I don't think that I would have been successful, but to have mm -hmm. him, being like, you got to, you know, family first, we'll figure it out. Your fitness is there, you know, whether it's that you're going to be running, you know, an eight hour marathon, or you're going to PR it. I mean, we, we take what we can get where we can get it. We celebrate the wins and, mm -hmm. you know, we learn from our losses. And I think just having that support and having that constant reminder, cause I am the type of runner that will like eat myself up inside if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, if I commit to something, I, I'm usually that person that's like, okay, like I got to get this done somehow have to fit it in. Like, and so to have somebody that was like, it's okay to not be perfect with your training. And it's okay that, you know, you have to skip this or you have to do a mile here and then two miles there and vice versa definitely helped immensely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a blessing. That's really good that, mm -hmm. <laughs> that you have him as yeah. a coach. Yeah. And, uh, so when, when did you start training? Yeah, I, I'm assuming, yeah, you took time off after Boston. Yeah, so I, I probably took like, um, like three weeks off from Boston, three or four weeks off from Boston, and then started to kind of ease back into it. The spark, like, like I said, just with everything going on, the spark wasn't as strong as it was for Boston. So it was just probably like early June, I started. And then like by mid July, we were really like ramping it up. Um, and once we hit August, it was like, okay, like it's go time. Like I really need to get everything kind of like 
in order and get myself to where I need to be that I know that I feel confident enough that I'm going to finish this thing. Um, so once, you know, we got, Liv had like a bunch of stuff she had to do over the summer. She had space camp, like we were traveling all over the place on top of everything. And so when I got back, I remember looking at Clint Lowry from Seven Dust because I saw him at the beginning of August and I said, I have fallen so far off the training wagon and I don't know how to get back on it. And I'm telling you to hold myself accountable for this, that I like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to figure out my stuff. And like Clint's amazing. Like he's just like a super great person, um, listener. Like he's just, he's awesome. And so like, I came home and I was like, all right, like I said that I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to do this. And like, I just figured out my way of doing it and then pushed into to the end. Like, I was just like, we're going to do this. And so September, probably the end of August and definitely September and October were like really intense, like packing as many miles as you possibly can into <laughs> the final slog up to New York. <laughs> yeah. But you, you gave a lot of great tips there. Not only like you don't have to be all rigid or anything with mm -hmm. your training because, you know, that might mm -hmm. backfire on you. <laughs> if it's all or nothing, it could end up being nothing. Right. And then, then you found somebody to help like hold you accountable. So yeah. 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 I mean, I think it, like coach Denny definitely like it's, it, that's one of the main reasons why like he is one of my coaches is just to have that person that like you can be accountable with, but like with um, you know, I belong to Clint's discord and we have a group in there where like, we talk about our fitness and it's been so nice to have a place where you can like go and be like, this is what I'm doing, or this is what I'm training for. And these are what, this is how I'm getting there. And to have people like support in like, like, I, I think a lot of people when they see like posts by people on the social media, it's so easy for people to be like, Oh, they're bragging about what they're doing or like, Oh, they did this or blah, blah, blah. And I think for a lot of people, and I know it holds true for me, that's accountability for mm -hmm. me. Like if I am like out there, like doing stuff and, and working and people are seeing that I'm working towards a goal, that's, you know, the way for me to stay consistent. Uh, it's not a look at me. This is what I'm doing. Right. It's just like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And I'm holding myself accountable by, by doing this. Um, I think like, that's such a big thing. Like, and it was, I think it was coach that actually taught me that, like just being able to you know speak it out loud to somebody uh just completely changes the mental game for how you approach a situation because you're like I can't like it no longer is just something that you've agreed to do it's now something that like you physically have told somebody else that you're going to do and whether there's an expectation on their end for you to finish it or not like you feel like there's an expectation for it yep. um and I think that just helps like give you motivation when you can't find that motivation to go forward yeah exactly yeah and um yeah it's also inspiring for a lot of people too because you know when you do stuff like that you even post like the, the tough runs so you're showing that it's not easy and, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah there, there was a lot um this one like there was just a there was a lot of rough runs and i i think stress stress definitely plays a factor in you know like your abilities and your fitness and I definitely saw that um and just like because your body in my case was so much more exhausted um than it would normally be and I think you know rough sleep and all of those things just kind of like play into the factor so it was definitely like I, 2023 was like the highest of highs for me mm -hmm. and some of the lowest of lows for me in terms of racing and it was like New York and Boston were like two very <laughs> contrasted races for sure. Like I hit my personal best at, at Boston and one of my slower times for New York. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, we should probably point out to people that didn't listen to our Boston episode and why haven't you? It's an awesome episode, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you all, you have um, cerebral palsy. Mm -hmm. So yeah so. yeah yeah and, and that definitely I think as I've gotten older <laughs> like I definitely feel like the aches and pains more mm -hmm. um so that I think that plays a part and factor in it too and I like again like going back to the things that like I like 
hindsight is 2020 and like going back and thinking about the things I could have been doing or I should have been doing, like I should have been adding more strength um, or yoga and and those things into my, my training routine that I was doing leading into New York. Cause I know one of the biggest things going into race day was just feeling so stiff. And so like, like I didn't feel like I, my leg had the balance that it normally would have. And I think a lot of that is because like when I did Boston, I was doing yoga like three to four days a week to like stretch out my muscles and, and keep them loose. And with New York, it was such like a sideline thing. It was like, okay, well, that's one thing that like is not that important because the miles are more important. Whereas I probably should have prioritized that a little bit higher on my <laughs> list of things to do. But yeah, that definitely was one of the the, the cerebral palsy definitely, I think played a definite factor in this race because my my leg locked up at like like I started feeling nauseous in New York early on like around mile eight and then like by mile 12 I was starting to feel better but my left leg locked up and stayed locked pretty much from the that point on until the end of the race um so it was like survival mode at that point to get to the finish (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So like um the CP affects your the left side of your body. Yeah. So yeah. So it yeah. yeah, it's the left side of my body. I ran um I ran the adaptive wave again uh for New York, but my cerebral palsy is mainly centered to my hamstring and um the Achilles area. Uh hamstring my hamstring is super tight, like so I can't like lift my leg straight up in the air like a normal person would like mm-hmm. I have to bend my other leg in order to get to go up uh straight in the air my my Achilles and stuff is is weaker so like push off is a lot harder for me uh and my leg is shorter on the left side than it is on the right so there's that discrep- every time I strike it's like you're like running kind of like off kilter mm-hmm. um I've tried running with like inserts in that foot you know, different kind of things to try to like even out and nothing ever feels normal. I haven't found that, that balance yet. So, Mm -hmm. um, that's the part of being adaptive though. Right. Mm -hmm. So the cool thing about it is though, I did get to see, uh, one of our fellow, um, adaptive Spartans at New York. I don't know if you know, Georgie Lee, um oh, no. who's so he does a lot of the spartan races he's got cerebral palsy too he ran his first new york city marathon uh or first marathon ever um oh. this past uh for new york he did his first marathon and i think he did it in like nine hours eight and a half nine hours i was super proud of him like he's mm. like like you want to talk about a guy that just like says he's going to commit to somebody something and do it like this guy is just like he is he's amazing he's done deca he's done uh he did an ultra last year um Uh he did he did his first marathon spartans like he does he does everything he it's pretty cool so i finally got to meet him which was pretty cool i was like one of my highlights from new york was finally getting to say hi to him oh that's great yeah yeah so yeah if we could get into your your trip there so you got there a few days early again yeah, yeah, so we we rolled in on Friday. Yeah. Um, Did you have to do the testing again, like in Boston? So nope. So my no. testing is good for. Uh, I think they said it's three years. I don't have to test again for three years. Oh, oh okay. Um, so I'm in the system, um, and everything just kind of like Boston was so easy this year. Like, mm-hmm. like I just like submitted my stuff, and then like they accepted me, and they were like, "You're good to go." And I was like, "There's nothing else." And they're like, "No, you're fine." I was like. Sweet. awesome yeah yeah that's that's to get into like uh what's the name of the heat it's like a certain heat right yeah it's uh, the adaptive wave okay yeah yeah, yeah. um it was over in new york it just all I, I didn't even like submit any paperwork for new york other than an adaptive program mm-hmm. <laughs> and like where they could find my credentials and that was it and like they didn't question it they just put me into that wave so we showed up friday uh and we went to the expo i got all my stuff together that i needed saturday we spent the day in the city olivia and i are like huge friends fans like massive french fans so we went over to the friends experience um Mm -hmm. and saw that and kind of just walked around the city and kind of like moved and, and did all the things that you would normally do prior to a race 
Um, and then Sunday, race day, it was up super early, like insanely early because the adaptive <laughs> bus, I think, took off at like, I want to say like five, five thirty, because like our drive was like, like an hour and a half to get to the Verrazano bridge. It was, oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah. So like our call time was five 30. So we got on the bus and, uh, it was a beautiful day. Like it was absolutely mm-hmm. gorgeous. You couldn't ask for better weather. Um, there was a beautiful sunrise that like we got to see as we were heading to the final part of the Verrazano bridge, like a gorgeous sunrise, um, all the traffic where you were just like, I hope all these people are not trying to get into the city. Cause it's going to be a real <laughs> long day for them. And the bridges are about to be shut down. Uh, um, so I got there. Um, we had our own tent. Everything was great. They had bagels and coffee and all that stuff for us. And mm-hmm. a lot, just time to socialize and, you know, kind of get your head in the game and get it, get yourself ready for it. They walked us just like they did for Boston, um, out to the Verrazano bridge. Um, so basically the elites and everybody went and the, and then they had the, um, the first wave of fast runners kind of line up and then they walked us out and I was like, oh, this is great. This is like, we were on the second level which was nice to not like as much as I would have loved been being on the top tier level of the bridge. Um, it was, I think probably for safety reasons, better to keep us on the secondary level. So I was like, this is great. Like this will give us time to kind of get ourselves together, situated and start the race at ease. And as we're standing there, I don't know if it was just, there was a bunch of late people behind us, but all of a sudden it went from like the super fast runners and the adaptives to super fast runners, the adaptive wave, and then a bunch of people loaded in behind us. So we were like surrounded by people that were way faster than <laughs> what we were. And like, I, for me, like I ran plenty of races in normal corrals without having like specified adaptive things. Like I'm used to, mm-hmm. you know, you being yeah. right. Like the, but for a lot of people that are like, you know, blind or have Mm -hmm. major disabilities or wheelchairs or whatever it is that that can be really scary (laughs) to be surrounded by that kind of people yeah like georgie's (laughs) first marathon right you know like that's one of the first things that i I was like this is georgie's first marathon like this is crazy so you know like i'm like all right just like you know calm down it's fine like you you've been through this you've done this before you've been with way faster people like you ran like age group with the spartans all the time like you you can handle this so we start off and the verrazano is like it's a climb like it's not straight like flat or downhill like in boston it is a climb and it's and you're on the very like on the second tier your gps or like my gps doesn't work like oh, right yeah it's underneath so, like, yeah. so it's like telling me that i'm going like a 35 minute mile like <laughs> pace or something like that i was like well that's wrong so like for the first mile because i didn't set it up to lap it i had no idea what my pace was and i think that probably like is one of the the first thing that probably like set me up for a really bad day because I had no idea what my pace was matched with trying to just stay steady enough that like I wasn't feeling like I was getting run over by the people around me and I'm running up a hill like so my heart rate spiked to like 160 within the first like five minutes of that race and like coach will tell you like the moment you get your heart rate up that high like it is impossible to bring it down like during the course of a race, like it's really right. hard to like bring your body back to where it needs to be. So like, I think I ended up at like, I want to say like an 1109 or 1130 first mile or something like that, which is way faster than what I'm used to running on a hill. Like usually my hills are usually like 1245 minute miles, 13 minute miles, somewhere around there mm-hmm. on race day. It was way faster than it was supposed to be. <laughs> Um, so I think that set it up for the first part of it, but, uh, you know, I, I settled in, I felt okay at that point, you know, like I, it was the rolling Hills were nice. Like you'd go up and then like, you would run back down, like the other side of, there are a lot of Hills in New York city. Like I was, I thought that it was just the bridges. No, there are like Hills everywhere in that city. (laughs) 
so it was a lot of like up and down um now, you know, did, did the crowd did it thin out as you went no, along no, that was the <laughs> other part of it I, like oh, so geez. the only part like like because between the crowd of people that you were like that was like one like in boston like i remember by the time i got to by the time i had gotten to heartbreak hill things had like weeded out enough that like you could be like all right i'm just gonna take like a one minute walk break on this hill and like catch my breath yeah and like it's gonna be fine and like with new york it was just like it was just there were so many people the entire time and not just from like a runner's perspective of people around you like there were so many people on the side like Mm -hmm. cheering you on and they were like like compressing onto the course on certain parts like at certain parts like there could only be like three runners like abreast because there was just so many people like cheering you on which was great to have all that support but also like on the flip side there was no room to move (laughs) (laughs) so 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 yeah it it was like intense like and I remember saying a couple times like I just really need like a second to like be able to kind of like catch my breath and like figure out stuff in silence because it's Mm -hmm. so loud on that course too which is again amazing but at the same time like when you're trying to like focus and and kind of center yourself it it can work the opposite for you or at least for me it did so yeah it was cheering all the way and I hit like mile eight and started to feel kind of like like not so good when I was taking gels in and I was like well that's not good like that's something that you don't want at like mile eight that's like something that like is save for like mile 18 or 19 when like you've taken too many gels at that point and you're just trying to get through like the final you know slog of miles and I was like mm-hmm. this could be a bad setup so um that was like probably the second nail in the coffin <laughs> was not being able to take in the efficient amount of fuel that I need to take in or hydrate because every time I was sipping water or Gatorade it would turn my stomach oh. and mm-hmm. so I battled that and tried to get fuel and liquids in for the next couple of miles. Uh, Definitely didn't get enough in, obviously. And then we hit the next set of bridges and I took a walk break. And that was probably mistake number three. (laughs) 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 Because the moment I walked, my legs started to seize up and Uh, like, I just couldn't like at that point, like it was just like, and with me, with my leg, it's like, it starts behind my kneecap and then it's kind of like a vice and it just like wraps around the front of the knee and then it just uh, like tightens and tightens and tightens. So at that point it was survival mode of just like trying to figure out what I needed to get into my system to kind of like offset it enough that I could keep on going. But I, there was a point at like, I think mile 17, mile 18, I called my best friend Steph and I was like, I literally want to walk off this course right now. Like I am at the point, like I was in tears and I was like, I just, I, I'm in so much pain. Like my, my leg is killing me. I don't know if I can finish this. And she's like, you can finish this because you will be so mad at yourself. If you walk off this course right now, you will be so mad at yourself. And I was like, you're right, but I'm in a really bad headspace right now. And so she gave me some really tough love, which is what I needed. And uh, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I put some seven dust on and I just like kept my head down and was like, you're going to do this. And whether it's like, you're going to run for 30 seconds or 20 seconds and then walk for two minutes, like that's what it is. Like you are well enough ahead in this race that you will finish it. You will get your star and you will get your medal. And at this point you have to let go of PRs and like all those standards that you've put in your head and you need to like go back to what it is that you love about running and remember that and so I just put the seven seven dust on spent the next kind of like mile and a half two miles at aid stations and the medic stations and with a bunch of people that had like massage guns on course the course like I saw Mm -hmm. some lady that had like a massage gun and I was like oh my god (laughs) 
you are my favorite person right now <laughs> and so she like she had like put like um some biofreeze on it too mm -hmm. so like it was like oh, a massage house. gun with the biofreeze mm -hmm. um and so that was able to get me a little further and then like there was somebody that had pretzels and banana like and so like by mile 2021 20, i was starting to coming back into it and um just realizing to just have fun and enjoy it and take in the moment um uh, of being in such a, an incredible major with so many math so many people and by the time we hit outside of central park and then into central park what an amazing experience like you take boylston street in boston and it's like this you know you, you have like this wide road that you're running right and you can still hear the crowd and it's like there's so many people but with new york and uh central park it, it's one of those areas that it's like compressed down. There are so many people on either. I'm getting like cold chills just like thinking about it, but like um, there's so many people on either side and they're all cheering you on. And like, I put my name on my shirt so that like you have like people being like, go Carrie, go woo. Like, <laughs> and just like hearing your name and like all of those people and that just carrying you for the last couple of miles all the way to the finish line was just absolutely incredible and exactly what I needed to get through that final that final part so I think New York was kind of the the race that reminded me of why I love running like it forced me to remember like very the very beginning of why I started it to begin with and that it wasn't about races and PRs and you know all the things that runners get so caught up in and that it's about your happy place and like, you know, mental stability and, you know, that running is a struggle. And my thing was when I started running was, um, I can, if I can do this, I can get through anything. Cause I started running when my mom died. And, uh, so that kind of forced me back into that perspective of like, if you can get through this, you can get through anything. Like, you, you just got to push through. And if you can push through, then that's a reminder to you in daily life that like you can do whatever you need to do to get by. So New York was definitely like a, it was a rough one, but it was, yeah. it was good. <laughs> well, even just that's like, yeah, <laughs> over 26 miles, just walking that is an accomplishment. Never mind right? like running and running and walking it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are yeah. a lot of people like I, I was walking back, like I, I Ubered. It was impossible to get back to the hotel from where we were because of all the road closures. I felt uh -huh. so bad for my Uber driver. <laughs> and so like, I was like, you can just drop me off like two blocks from my, my hotel. I can walk the rest. It's good for me to walk anyways. I shouldn't be sitting. Like I should be walking and, and moving so yeah, that my body doesn't cramp. <laughs> mm -hmm. But like, so our hotel is right on the route um, for the marathon. And so I got to the final like turn and there were still people like walking it and just like strutting along. And I was like, you people are like, it's absolutely incredible. Like it's absolutely freaking incredible that you are on this course for hours and hours and hours and hours. And you have a smile on your face and like, you're enjoying it and you're enjoying the moment of being in New York city. And like, that's like, that's what marathons are all about. It's really just digging deep and learning about yourself and just enjoying the moment of it all. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. it's incredible. People are always like, how do you, how can you run marathons? And like, this is miserable. There's, it's absolutely miserable. And it's like, yeah, like there are parts of it that are really hard. And when you get into a really bad headspace, yeah, it can really suck. But if you can think of it from just like the fact that you are doing this and you're walking, running, crawling, whatever it is, 26.2 miles, in New York City or Boston or wherever it is that you're running, that it's like it's incredible. It's incredible. It's really yeah. cool. Yeah. So. Did Did you see? Um, I I don't know if you probably wouldn't have seen her. <laughs> so many people, Kaylee Williamson. I didn't she, see her. Nah, no. Nah, no. Um. Yeah. She she's the one um, Down syndrome. She's like one of the first. Oh people. yeah yeah. Yeah. Because like she was in your heat, but there's like so yeah. many people you might not have seen. Because I'm friends I with Tina Muir. <laughs> I'm friends with yeah, Tina Muir. Kaylee... She was her guide. Yeah. <clears throat> Kaylee, I think, was on the bus in front of me. And I think I saw her and her mom get on the bus and they boarded the one in front of me. There was a, a lot of adaptives that just were mm -hmm. um, just incredible. The, and there was um, 
Matt Cho, Matt Choi, one of the Instagram guys that like does a bunch of races, all the marathon races. He was he was doing the race as a guide for a a girl with autism that I saw. <clears throat> there was tons of people there. Olivia saw um, Chara from the Bruins run by. Oh. Actually, like, <laughs> just like so many people um it's just it's incredible because I don't think that like especially in those races I don't like unless you are like really really looking hard to like find a person like with Georgie like I was like okay I know Georgie's in my heat like I, I had to find him and say hi to him so like I was like really looking for him but it, it's incredible the amount of celebrities that like run those races and you would have yeah. no clue that you're running next to them because there's just so many people in a sea of faces and and all that so yeah yeah, but I mean, just, was yeah just you saying that this is what it's all about that's what it reminded me of that because mm -hmm. she was at some point she was like dancing and stuff mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's what it's all about it's and so you really mm -hmm. have fun and you know remember like at its core what it's all about you know it's just having fun and learning about yourself and Mm -hmm. like nothing and like there's other things in this world obviously that will will teach you about who you are but marathoning for me hands mm -hmm. down has been <clears throat> some of the moments that I have really truly learned who I am as a person and what I'm capable of and when we've talked about Spartans and stuff we'll teach you the type of person you are because of like just like the mental struggles that it puts you through and you know, like you have to force yourself up these massive hills and like when your body hurts and like every like bone and muscle in your body is telling you to just stop, you have to like keep on going. Mm -hmm. yeah, just keep moving forward, you know. Yep. <laughs> Relentless forward progress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, but, and yeah, that was like a great metaphor. I was like perfect. I was thinking the same thing with, with all those people around it literally carries you because yeah. I'm I mentioned for doing the tunnel to towers there and you know, we go through the battery tunnel and then when you come out it's like in downtown Manhattan all the crowds there and mm -hmm. it just like moves you literally moves you oh yeah so, yeah. yeah it's yeah. wild it's just absolutely incredible like it, the amount of people that come out like like it was mm -hmm. you know experiencing Boston like I thought that was intense but New Yorkers yeah. they come out <laughs> they, <Yeah. laughs> they come out <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's incredible. And then, uh, did you listen to music the whole time, or was it just like, um, <laughs> did you go on and off? Or it was on and off. Uh, it was so loud that I was having a really hard time listening to music, um, listening to music, listening to the crowd. So I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, take in the crowd and listen to them. I had my playlist ready to go. I had my Boston playlist that I had added a bunch of songs to because Olivia had made the playlist for me in Boston. So like it carried uh, yeah. it through. <laughs> and when I hit the bridges is when I would put it on because that's when it got quiet and it was like a chance for you to kind of just like take a second. And then once I hit Central Park or outside of Central Park is when I started to put it back on. And then with that last mile, I had everything from Seven Dust lights from burden of the sky and um and what was the other one uh oh and um shine from seven dust oh yeah mm -hmm. um and just had it on repeat the entire time because everything has kind of like been my anthem for um the second part of the season like i had told clinton the guys like i wish that this had been released for boston because i'm pretty sure this would have been like my <laughs> finish line song um but it's just like one of those like songs where like you know you doubt yourself or everybody around you doubts who you are and what kind of person you are and it's just basically saying that you know you can do anything that you want to do I can be whoever I want to be and I'm going to prove to you that I can do it what I want to do um and so having that on repeat and just hearing that over and over again was that what I needed to get and push me the rest of the way uh, and it was one of my faster miles. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> the <entire> marathon. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, music for me, like, it's everything. And 
I'm usually the the runner that like tunes out everybody and just like listens to music the entire time because it's like it's kind of like my mom time like it's my time to like put my headphones on and just kind of like listen to my music and just enjoy it um but yeah for New York it was just so loud I just was like I gotta take this all in I have to listen to the crowd and kind of like take it all in so yeah, yeah yeah so intense so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah you get the um what do you call it? the adrenaline the endorphins yeah <laughs> yeah 100 really yeah. percent. yeah hearing your name yeah. like cheered by like mm-hmm. thousands of people like it's just like for anybody like i would honestly question anybody that would be like yeah that's cool like whatever like they're chanting my name like that's such a cool cool feeling to like hear that many people like just <laughs> cheering your name on like anybody would want to run faster yeah yeah for sure mm-hmm. uh, um and then how, did it take you a while to recover was it like about the same as boston uh, longer shorter it was like probably I would say like it was about a week of like rough going. I was probably stiffer the day after New York than I was for Boston. And I think a lot of that again it goes back to just not uh fueling appropriately for the marathon itself uh and and then training just not being where it needed to be for New York definitely played a role in it. Um but it was about a week and then I started to feel uh, back to normal again. I've been taking the last couple of weeks uh, really, really slow and just kind of scaling back my mileage quite a bit just to take a a, a mental pause from it and kind of like running when I feel like running versus like you have to go out and run like five miles today and three miles tomorrow and 10 miles the next day. It's just been kind of like the last couple of weeks, coach has just been like, do what you can do. And, you know, you're not in Boston mode yet. So mm-hmm. just enjoy it. Um, I want to get back to doing my heavy, like strength training stuff that I was doing before. Yeah. Um, so I've been focusing a lot more recently on that part of it and getting myself to a point where like we can really start to hammer them because like I obviously like not putting strength into my weekly routines because of my arm stuff like I've lost a lot of like grip work that like I would have easily been able to do beforehand it's going to take a little bit getting that strength back up in my left mm-hmm. my left arm um so I think probably next week or the week after is when we start back into marathon training for Boston with the caveat of the fact that we are both under you know accepting that OCR is the primary for next year um, because I'm going to run Midwest OCR's race with race ready in September and that's my A race for next year so that one's out in Illinois how long is that one so I'm going to, there's a bunch of different variations that you can do. I think they have like a, like a 5k course. Um, uh, and then they have like a 10k one and they have one that's like an ultra style one where you run as many laps as you can. Uh, and that's the one I'm doing. I'm just, I'm going to go all in. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, so, uh, Dana and Aaron are amazing. Um, people and they they're putting on the the race and um their grips that they make race ready's grips are just phenomenal i have a bunch of their stuff uh set up on my rig that i'll be using quite a bit over the next couple of of months training for it um but like they're just that small town like homegrown business um that just wants to grow the sport uh and and it's more about just community versus like money and like all of that stuff which is something that I think I've been missing from Spartan because Spartan I feel like is kind of like pushed a little bit away from that community OCR feeling that I think we all love and it's kind of pushed more towards like the like stamp it like race sort of formula so uh, I'm really excited for it I'm I'm probably going to fail (laughs) miserably (laughs) when I run it but I'll, I'll have a lot of fun doing it so that, that's yeah yeah I think it'll be it. good yeah plus you'll have time after Boston too right to, 
yeah yeah so there'll be a lot of there i told Denny, i was like i don't want to do you know constant roll miles this year like training for it like i want to like kind of like split it up between you know running for boston but also like doing a lot of like elevation work and getting back into the mountains i didn't climb any mountains this year and like that is so sad to me yeah, <laughs> like I yeah, like, you love that <laughs> yeah you know and so I, I want to get back into that um and, and just like climb and just enjoy being out in the woods and, and and all that stuff because that's just that's my happy place and it's so much better than being like on the road for miles and miles and miles and hours and hours and hours looking at pavement right um, <laughs> so um so yeah, probably like in the next couple of weeks, we'll ramp up everything. But right now I'm just kind of like enjoying the downtime of picking and choosing what I want to do fitness wise and mm-hmm. kind of focusing more on strength stuff, which my, my PT uh, trainer has been really enjoying being able to like ramp up the workouts again. And it's not like what's going to keep carry safe from breaking herself for the next marathon and more like <laughs> let's break her so that she's ready for for ocr stuff so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so so those are the are those the only two big things you have planned this coming so, year the... so, yeah so those are the two that are solidified that have been like stepped in stone i will probably take on a couple more um OCR races over the first couple of months of the year um and probably one in early summer uh just to like test where my fitness is at mm-hmm, um, that's a good idea mm-hmm. yeah especially the probably like stuff like savage will be important to to try to tackle a couple of their races because savage and race ready are fairly similar with kind of like the grips that they use it's it's a lot more like um like hanging attachments versus like monkey bars or like their multi-rigs have like ropes and stuff that you're swinging across versus just like rings and and things like that so i think there'll be a a lot of savage uh focus or races that are kind of like within that same that same realm i think that race ready actually has a race in may so depending on how i feel coming out of boston i may jump into that race to see where I'm at with that one but yeah next year is all about like just getting back to what makes me happy and racing some OCR stuff I was gonna do I was gonna try for Berlin but then race ready post posted the Midwest OCR race and I was like I really want to do that instead so Boston will be my only major next year um and then I'll try for London and Mm -hmm. Berlin I think Tokyo will probably be my last one mm-hmm. that I do just because it the logistics of even getting out there will be a lot different right yeah yeah <laughs> so uh, but I guess like Sydney I guess like they, there's been talks that Abbott is thinking about doing uh Australia as another marathon major so there might be mm-hmm. another one added soon and, yeah, I think they have opposite seasons as us. So right. yeah, it'll be at a different time of year than yep. the other ones. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's oh. a good idea. But yeah, but yeah, another country to add to the right. <laughs> majors. I'm just like, <laughs> just like oh my god, I think I think London. I, I am pretty sure that I'm going to have to do a charity entry for. I don't think it's so impossible to get into London through a lottery, and I'm not fast enough um, to get it through their regular yeah so i think charity is probably going to be my best bet for london because that's the other one that i've been applying for year after year after year and just never never get into it so okay yeah yeah let me know about that Mm -hmm. you end up doing a charity Mm because we'll promote the hell out of that so Mm -hmm. yep definitely definitely and we'll come see you in Boston this year. Adriana yeah. said she's going to go. So what was that accountability thing we were talking about earlier? Accountability, I, yeah. I'm, put, I'm putting it out there. Adriana's accountable for this. Yeah. And I yeah, will so. find, we will find each other this year. Because yeah. this year, yeah. like I told. Well, well, I saw you this year. I, I didn't see anybody this year. It was, just, <laughs> it was a blur. Yeah. It was so blurry. <laughs> um, but like I told coach, I was like this year, like he's like, you're running Boston. And I was like, yeah. 
And he's like, but you're doing OCR. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, so what's like the main A race? And I was like, OCR is the the A race. Boston, mm-hmm. like, like I want to go back to Boston because I loved it so much. Like Boston's still absolutely positively my favorite race. Like even with New York and the crowd that came out for New York in Chicago and all like all the majors, um, Boston still has my heart, I think, because it's my city. Like it's where I was born, it's where I grew up. Um, so like I I want to run Boston for that but I want to enjoy Boston like I don't want it to be like I'm stressed out like yeah, you know at these times and, right yeah. mm-hmm. so like Boston this time around is just about having fun and enjoying the ride of it mm-hmm. all um so that that way like the pressure of like knowing that I have to do hill training and elevation and all that stuff I won't be like oh but like what if I twist an ankle for Boston or like what if this happens like I don't want any of that pressure so Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. about having fun and enjoying it yeah plus you know what to expect now right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah I mean it's it's so different than New York man like oh my god night and day that course like it's all downhill in Boston and it is like up and down in New York. It definitely mm-hmm. of the three that I've ran so far, I would say New York's the hardest mm-hmm. hands down. Was Chicago Boston. hilly or was that? Kind no, of Chicago no, is flat. Mm-hmm. Chicago is very, very flat. There's a couple of tiny, tiny hills in Chicago, but the majority of that course is flat. Mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of people like when they run Chicago, they PR it because it's just, there's no hills at all at all Mm -hmm. um that was one of the easier i think of the three well for me like i like hills and so boston to me was probably of the three and it might just because i was trained appropriately for it i think with boston i've done jimmy fun a couple of times so like i know the course like Mm -hmm. i've walked it um so i knew that like that first like 15 miles or so is all pretty fairly downhill and then then you go back up so my training plan for boston was that like it was like buying as much downhill as you possibly can for the first bulk of that that training run and then like the good thing about my training run is that to get back home you have to go back up like a bunch of hills like there's no there's no way around it like there, Uh there are hills everywhere so you know mine was very much like 15 miles of downhill flat and then turn around and go home so like I think that's part of it too it's just my training was like perfect for Boston or where I needed to be uh with New York I did I did hills I just don't think that like I put them where I needed to put them (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was like a lot more than you would Mm. think because it's not just the bridges right yeah. (laughs) yeah like that that was a shock to me like the the amount of like hills and i'd be like i feel like we're climbing again and i'd be like that's because we are we're climbing again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's just a lot of climbing so there, there was a lot of people definitely like that like were hurting on that course that would so at least i wasn't alone mm-hmm. <laughs> um there was a lot that were struggling yeah, yeah a good friend of mine craig, craig siegel did it and he had problems starting in mile nine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so yeah. it seems like yeah. that was a thing this year around yeah. that point too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle. I think like if you're not like mentally in a place like where you anticipate like what you're coming up on and you didn't uh, train and there are other factors, obviously that can like completely throw off your race. But like, if you haven't trained appropriately for it, it's a, it's a, it's like godspeed <laughs> like, <laughs> like john conley from seven dusted new york and he was like the polar opposite like he had everything like planned out like he was like i'm doing this on this day like this is my training plan for the week this is my strength training like this is how many miles we're running uh you know this is the pace that i have to run at on this train like everything was like planned out to a t and i remember like telling my friends is like it's like night and day like I'm just like we're just gonna wing it like just (laughs) we're just gonna wing it and see what happens and John's (laughs) like I've got it all laid out (laughs) (laughs) and he did awesome too he struggled a little bit too like with his intake of fluid from his Instagram wrap-up that he did he said that Mm -hmm. he struggled as well and he experienced cramping too but he still like was like a three hour and like like (laughs) 
12 minute marathon or some crazy <laughs> like I was, I was like oh i was like oh john struggled too and he's like yeah it was like three hours and 12 minutes like you like <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's cool but, to see i think that's the coolest thing about like runners is that everybody's different mm-hmm. um and like just like their physical capabilities uh, are different from person to person and I think that's so so important to remember is that what one person's ability is is completely different than another person's ability and it doesn't make you any less of a runner or you know or, or whatever it is that you're doing um, it's just what your ability is and you can be pushing and doing just as much as the person that's a three-hour marathoner um, and, and, and working just as hard and I think that like it's important to remind ourselves of that like I was telling somebody, I think um, Kaylee did it in 10 hours. Like, wow, 10 hours. I, if I standing on my feet for three hours, my back right. starts hurting. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. right? So I think it's yeah, just as hard, if not harder. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Those back of the pack runners, like, you know, I've been a back of the pack runner, uh, middle to back of the pack my entire running career. Like I've, I've never been, you know, in the front end of it. And I like the times that I've been in the back of the back of the pack as a running community is just, you know, I give mad props to them because to mm-hmm. be out there for that long, because like, it's different. Like, yeah, you're putting your body, like you're putting your body through so much when you're running like two and a half, three hour marathon, like you are maxing out everything that you you possibly have in you and I think a lot of people are like oh like 10 hour marathon like you're not trying that hard and it's like you go on your feet for 10 hours and try to fuel yourself for 10 Mm -hmm. hours and take in hydration and make sure that like your muscles are not like failing you and and the longer that you're out there like especially with adaptive people like your mm-hmm. muscles, you know, fatigue and all that stuff starts to set in and your muscles get tighter and tighter and tighter. Like it's a lot, it's hard. And yeah. I I don't think that like a lot of times back of the back runners get the short end of the stick because people are like, oh, like I can do that in eight to 10 hours. And it's like, right. well, then go out and do it. Do it. Yeah. Tell me how you feel afterwards. Cause mm-hmm. like, I could tell you that like my slower training runs or my slower runs that I do, like the next day, I definitely feel way more pain than I do on the days that like I'm done in an hour and can call it a day. Um, like it's just, and again, it's like the fast runners have their own set of things that like pushing and that makes it hard and, uh, it's incredible what they can do, but I think there needs to be a little bit more credit to those back of the packers because they're just as amazing and awesome as the front of the pack is. Yep. You know, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations Carrie yeah I think you're an inspiration really Uh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much it's a lot of fun I I I love it and like I said it really comes down to just like you know doing it like finding like what your why is like I know it's such Mm -hmm. a cheesy thing to say but like knowing what your why is and you know holding that as your core values whenever you get into those situations where like things get hard and that you can reflect back on on you know why you're doing this like it's it's not just some like arbitrary reason because you like you like you want the medal or something there's actual mm-hmm. like reasoning behind why you were doing the things that you want to do that are special to you um it's it's incredible what the human body can do you know yep, like sure. when you put yourself into those kind of spots and and you just try you know sometimes yeah. you fail sometimes you don't sometimes <laughs> you win yeah yeah <laughs> So. As long as you get out there so mm-hmm. yeah awesome. yeah so next year will be all all ocr fun stuff so hopefully yeah. it'll be good yep yep should be a blast mm-hmm. all right hey, you want to stick around for our 22 too many yeah. veteran for any new listeners uh, 22 too many is a awesome organization that brings awareness and remembrance to veterans who die of suicide and they support prevention as well uh, the 22 stands for the number of veterans who die from suicide each day. And the reports don't even take into consideration the drug overdoses or accidents that weren't really accidents. So you can follow 22toomany.org. That's the numbers 22 and then T-O-O many.org. Um, I'll also add the link in the show notes. Okay, and now today's 22 Too Many veteran is in memory of Andre Booker. 
He was born August 1st, 1981, and passed away on August 19th, 2011. And he was in the Army 2nd Engineers Battalion. And here's his biography. Dre loved running. He went from being, well, this, this he's a good one for this. <laughs> Dre yeah, Fett I was going to say it's perfect for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went from being a great high school track team member and would find himself eventually running in the Army 10-miler while stationed oh, wow. in WSMR, New Mexico, White Sands, oh, White Sands Missile Range. He's a wonderful father, son, and brother. He was a loving husband, friend, and a great battle buddy to his fellow Marines and soldiers. Uh, he joined the U.S. Marine Corps in 2001 after graduating high school and later transferred into the U.S. Army in 2007. Wow, he started young. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was smart. Yeah. Getting out of the Marines and going to the Army. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was I was the Navy. I could make fun of my <laughs> little brothers there. <laughs> Everybody pokes fun at our Marine. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but um, he, oh, here we go. He, he loved watching the New England Patriots, Boston mm -hmm. Celtics, and the Red Sox. But his favorite oh. team to watch was the University of Alabama's Crimson Tide football team <laughs> oh, that's interesting yeah I, I think it's so interesting to me how many people like like college football is definitely like where many people's passions lie versus like the big like nfl teams right yeah that's a difference so interesting yeah mm -hmm. and um he he had uh, his, his wife is the one that wrote this biography and mm. he he had hopes to take her to see a game there mm. um his hobbies included oh, music, music, running, and before his passing, he started learning and enjoying wood burning. Oh, that's cool. That's um, cool. He was a staff sergeant, and yeah, as I mentioned, he died on August nineteenth. He was thirty years old, and staff sergeant Booker was born in Huntsville. Mm -hmm. Oh, that explains the. Well, how did he become a <laughs> New England fan? <laughs> yeah. He is the son of. Willie Booker and Doris Booker Harris. Staff Sergeant Booker was in the U.S. Marine Corps until 2007, then joined the U.S. Army. He's a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. Mm -hmm. Surviving in addition to his loving wife and his parents are four children, Mia St Staten, Dondre Booker, Delshawn McDaniel, and Darian McDaniel, and one brother, Rodney Booker. And his resting places in Beaufort National Cemetery in Beaufort, South Carolina. Yeah. So it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. I have so much respect for, you know, all of our service men and women and just the sacrifices that they they make when they're away and then even when they come back and, and what they have to go through and, you know, just that shift back into everyday life and it, it, it's got to be so hard. Like I can't even, I can't even begin to rationalize what they must go through when they come back. Yeah. Yeah. Not only for, you know, what, what they see and everything and yeah, even like, you know, they lose limbs, you get caught in mm -hmm. explosions, but they're finding that like um, the reverberations from like the explosions around them and actually has like a physical impact on their brain. And mm -hmm. you can't really see it right now while while the person's alive. So yeah, yeah. So there's like a lot of damage that you don't even know about, and it's affecting their brain. And it's frustrating because they know there's a problem, but you know people don't believe them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's invisible, like some, mm -hmm. an invisible disability, or you know, like you can't physically see it, so it doesn't it doesn't exist in so many people's brains and I feel like we need to figure out a, a way to fix that like that there's so many people that are struggling with in, invisible you know disorders and and, mm -hmm. and it's it just yeah there needs to be more awareness yeah definitely so happy to promote this 22 too many as much as I can so mm -hmm. um yeah we definitely need to get the word out so because I mean not only 
with the death by suicides, but there's like a lot of homeless veterans yeah. and everything. So, yep. yep. It's, um, you know, I, I worked in media my entire career. Like that's what I, where I've been in and, you know, definitely have covered my share of stories about homeless veterans and, and veterans affairs and, and all that. And, you know, the, it, it's been the repeating line over the last, 20 years that I've been in the industry is, you know, there needs to be more awareness brought to, you know, helping these people like you, you're putting them in such a, like ripping them from like what every comfort that they have and sending them overseas to something that is completely different. Uh, and they adapt to it mm -hmm. in ways and, and they make family and they, they learn how to live their lives and in that environment. And then you rip them from that and then you put them back into like regular life again and expect them to be able to adjust. And, mm -hmm. and it's just, you can't expect that. It's like that seesaw, like you can't, it, it's hard for them. And the amount of stories that we've covered over the years of so many people that have lost their lives um, or lost their homes or have not gotten the medical attention or care that they need because uh, they don't have the money for it or the support. It's just, it's too many. It's absolute. There's just too many yep, and yep. it needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. We we mention it every week. Like the government has no problem sending these people out mm -hmm. on the front lines, but then they don't do anything. You know, when they get yeah. back, it's like pulling teeth. So, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. it definitely needs to change. But yeah, we're doing what we can, bring attention to yeah. civilians now. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. that's all you can do, and 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 support when know that like you know you're there for them if they need. Mm -hmm the support or they need somebody to talk to or whatever it is um just making sure that they know that they're not alone all right so yeah thank you so much for doing that thank you for <laughs> having me back on i love talking with yeah. you this is yeah, great save here yeah yeah i'll have to make this a regular thing I know. yeah <laughs> we have yeah, to well, we have to do our like music stuff one of these days yes mm -hmm. yeah yeah cool. yeah yeah maybe, yeah we could do that like before the marathon yeah for yeah. sure we can definitely yeah. do that. Do like a whole like best running songs or whatever. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I, I promise do. that there's more on there than seven dust in the sky. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a blast. Yeah. We we have done um we did do an episode one time. Well, uh, my friend Lizzie, we did like a, a running music one, but that was a while ago. I'd like to update that. So yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Sure. Everybody loves music so yeah definitely yes <laughs> runner so yep all right so yeah thank you so much Gary. thank uh, you do, do, oh do you want to um um have any social media or anything you want to promote oh yeah uh so uh social media like just my running with the rock star so it's running underscore with underscore the underscore rock star uh instagram uh you can find me there uh, if you're looking for more of the music side of me, photography, artsy style stuff, I have a Carrie Nelson Media Instagram account. So that's like more of my like rock star and music style stuff. Um, and you can find me on Facebook at Every Run Has a Story for stuff as well for my fitness stuff. So I'm kind of all over the place. Yeah, awesome. Perfect. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then um, you can find me at The Roadrunner, it's R-H-O-D-E. Um, Instagram and Facebook and um, the website is journeyoftheroadrunner.com and if you have any questions subject topics or anything you can email at theroadrunner1 that's the number one at gmail.com all right so thank you so much everybody for listening until next time we'll see you all out on the road Bye. <laughs> and remember be excellent to each other and